All right, welcome back, Spiritual Crusaders. I'm super excited to be able to jump into this podcast here today. Uh, my name is Craig Conover, and before I do that, I want to just kind of say that if you have not visited Spiritual Crusade lately, definitely do so. I want to just highlight three things that we have um, implemented on the, the website. First of all, we have a general conference section at the very top, so just on the, on the menu bar, click on that. You can go to the last two sessions of general conference uh, where we go into every single talk and we have created quotes that you can, some of the most favorite quotes from each talk. You'll be able to go and, and enjoy those quotes with, with pictures to them. They're, it's just, it's really amazing. Also in there, you we, many of them, we have, we have a couple of us that teach Release Society and uh, Elders Quorum. And so you have their less, our lessons there as well. And we do um, turn many of those into podcasts. And so um, I just want to kind of point out that. Also, we have a new podcast page that I, I think uh, looks amazing. So definitely enjoy that. You can see the most popular podcast. Listen to that. Listen to the previous podcasts. And also I want to announce our new Come Follow Me page. We've had Come Follow Me pieces in the past, but Debbie, has one of our team members, has started to record a, a short, maybe, you know, 15 to 30 minutes, just kind of depends on, on the content, for that week. So a little video that you can be able to enjoy to really, I mean, you, you got to check out her passion, you know, her excitement and her love and her testimony of the scriptures. You'll really enjoy that. So I just wanted to point out those couple things, but like I said, there's so much content on there. Be sure to come and just enjoy it and, and also send your send in us to your friends and family members as well. Okay. So today we're going to be talking about hope in Christ. And I'm actually going to be combining two different posts that I um, have written in the past. And the first one is Hope in Christ. The second one is a talk on gratitude that I gave uh, titled uh, Gratitude, the Catalyst of Discipleship. And they really just go hand in hand and go together so well. So I'm going to start off with the gratitude talk. And I gave this talk back in 2015. And But I'm going to you know, obviously jump in and make some comments and some commentary as I go along. But um, so let's go ahead and start talking a little bit about um, gratitude here. So starts off, it says, when I extended the gratitude challenge, I had no idea what I was going to write about it. As a matter of fact, I was getting a little nervous because uh, the day after day, I had nothing. In the second session of the Phoenix Temple dedication, this is back when it was being dedicated, of course, in 2015, the Spirit opened my understanding, in part, to what gratitude really was. That night, I began to write my thoughts down, and it was absolutely amazing. The Spirit just began to teach me. Day after day, my understanding of gratitude grew. And I remember that that time, it was just, it was powerful. I mean, I just remember every night, like, man, this is so amazing. Uh, what was interesting was that I had to process, or sorry, I had to progress to a certain point before the next door of understanding would open. 
Truly the Lord gives unto the children of men, line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little and there a little. That's found in 2 Nephi 28.30. So catalyst is defined as something that causes activity between two or more persons or forces without itself being affected. We are familiar with the Moroni challenge found in Moroni 10, 4 through 5. But I wonder how often verse 3 gets missed or overlooked altogether. I always share verse 3 when I share the Moroni challenge with a non-member or, or, or members alike, right? There is something personal and special to, to point out that God in his wisdom has given the Book of Mormon to them at this time to read. Plus, I feel that it begins to soften their heart and prepares them for the next two verses. While this may be true, I believe it is much more than just this. I think it helps everyone, members and non-members alike, to prepare for and opens the door to the influence and the power of the Holy Ghost along their pathway to discipleship. So let me read this to you here. Moroni 10, 3, it says this. Behold, I would exhort you that when ye shall read these things, if it be wisdom in God that ye should read them, that ye would remember how merciful the Lord hath been unto the children of men from the creation of Adam, even down until the time that ye shall receive these things and ponder it in your heart. There's a lot of good stuff in there. Uh, before I continue, let me tell you a story to strengthen my point here. And this is a, a story that happened with my daughter, Alexa. I took the doctors, sorry, I took Kira to the doctor for an ultrasound visit. We knew something was wrong when the ultrasound tech asked Kira and said, who told you that you were pregnant? <laughs> I remember that was just like, a, just made me sick just to hear that. I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> After a long time, she sent us back to the doctor's office without telling us anything. We were very concerned. The doctor told us that our sweet Alexa was a tubular pregnancy and showed us a, a, showed us a close-up picture of the ultrasound where she was located in the tubes. He said that there was a heartbeat, but that there was no way to save the baby. Reluctantly, we headed over to the hospital for, for the surgery. We were living in Illinois at the time, and so we asked the missionaries to come and help me to give Kira a priesthood blessing. It was very hard watching them wheel her off. I just remember that so, so vividly. So I did the, the one thing that I could do, and I prayed. After the surgery, the doctor came in and related to us what had happened. He told us that there was a tool that they normally use which would scramble everything up. It would flush out the baby even if it was in the uterus. He said, his words, quote, something told me not to use that tool, close quote. He went in with tweezers 
and went up and down both tubes and couldn't find our baby. He called in another doctor to get a second opinion, and he couldn't find the baby either. They even did an ultrasound to see if they could find the baby in the uterus and couldn't find our baby. <laughs> I've never heard of a doctor losing a baby before, but that is exactly what happened. We came back a week or so later, and, and there was Alexa. And I remember that, that week was like brutal. I mean, we're like, how can you send someone home without finding their baby? But so there, but we came back and there, there she was. She was in the uterus as if nothing had happened. We knew that she wasn't lost. The Lord in his mercy chose to miraculously save the life of our sweet miracle baby Alexa. Now with this new perspective, let's look back at Moroni 10.3, quote, remember how merciful the Lord hath been unto the children of men, close quote. After that, that's a story I just shared with you this not um, does this not have a much deeper and different meaning? One thing is for sure. I will never, and I mean never, just simply remember this experience. When I remember, my heart literally swells within me with gratitude to my Lord and my God for his mercy and love for me and my family. There are not words sufficient to express the gratitude and love I feel for my Savior for this one act of mercy, let alone all the acts of mercy toward all the children of men. Moroni gives us direction to help us remember correctly when he said, quote, and ponder it in your hearts, close quote. Going through an experience requires less pondering than one we just read about or hear about. Talking about the coming of Christ on earth, Alma said, would to God that it might be in my day. Let it be sooner or later, in it I will rejoice. That's Alma 13, 25. I absolutely love that. Think about that yearning that he had, right? And and it, when it, it's not an isolated incident, right? How that yearning that, that the, all the great apostles and prophets and disciples of Christ had, that, that they would just yearn to have Christ in their day, right? Why? Why will he rejoice? Because he has given himself to much pondering to the extent that Christ had become real, as if he had already come among him. Mosiah teaches us this, this concept too. And the Lord God hath sent his holy prophets among all the children of men to declare these things to every kindred, nation, and tongue that thereby whosoever should believe that Christ should come, the same might receive remission of their sins and rejoice with exceedingly great joy, even as though he had already come among them. That is the key. We 
can rejoice. And think about that in terms for us right now with the second coming right around the corner. We need to take that to heart, right? We can experience that even as though he had already come among us. Let's not wait for some future date to build that relationship with our Savior. Okay, going back to sum it up so far, when we remember and ponder in our hearts, our thoughts are instinctively drawn to gratitude and love for that thing. With this in mind, I would like to further demonstrate the power that gratitude has in our lives. To do this, let's turn back to the scriptures. This is 1 Corinthians 13, 13. And now abideth faith, hope, charity, these three. But the greatest of these is charity. Now, you might be wondering what faith, hope, and charity have to do with gratitude. But the question you should be asking is, what does gratitude have to do with faith, hope, and charity? A slight variation makes all the difference in the world. Moroni is going to be our guide here, but I want to first read Joseph Smith. He gives us great clarity in unlocking Moroni's words. This is in Lectures on Faith, uh, the first lecture, starting in, the, in verse 7. The author of the epistle to the Hebrews in the 11th chapter of that epistle and first verse gives the following definition of the word faith. Now, faith is the substance, or in parentheses, assurance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. From this we learn that faith is the assurance which men have of the existence of things which they have not seen and the principle of action in all intelligent beings. If men were duly to consider themselves and turn their thoughts their thought and reflections to the operations of their own minds, they would readily discover that it is faith. And faith only, which is the moving cause of all action in them, that without it, both mind and body would be in a state of inactivity, and all their exertions would cease, both physical and mental. I just love that. I've used it. I've used that all the time. I just think that's such a powerful description of, of faith, right? Now back to Moroni 7, 40 through 44. I will try to simplify the concepts as we go along. And I will also draw a parallel between faith and hope in Christ to obtain eternal life with faith and hope in studying for a test to get a good grade. Also notice the role that gratitude plays during the, the whole process here. So verse 40. And again, my beloved brethren, I would speak unto you concerning hope. How is it that ye can attain unto faith, save ye shall have hope? We develop faith for things that we want to have, have hope in, right? Remember Joseph Smith's words above. Gratitude is born... Because there is a way and a means to achieve what you want. So if we study hard, that's going to be the faith, right? The faith is action, right? So if we study hard for the test, I can get a good grade. And that's really what we want. That's our hope. We want a good grade, right? And, and therefore, because we want a good grade, a good grade we study, right? And says, I'm grateful that I am able to study 
to achieve a good grade. So there's where gratitude really comes into play, right? Um, we're, we're, we're so grateful for the process. We're grateful for our ability to, to achieve that hope that we really want. Verse 41. And what is it that ye shall hope for? Behold, I say unto you that ye shall have hope through the atonement of Christ and the power of his resurrection to be raised unto life eternal. And this because of your faith in him, according to the promise. We hope to obtain eternal life. And this because of our faith in Jesus Christ, that he is able to save us. As we remember and ponder his life, we are filled with great gratitude for him, which strengthens our faith and our hope. Interesting how gratitude really comes into play here. Uh, I can get a good grade on the test, which again is, is hope, right? And this because I have the best study guide, you know, faith in the process, faith in the study guide, faith in, in whatever that may be. I am so grateful that such a study guide exists to study from. So my hope and, sorry, my faith and hope is strengthened. Verse 42, wherefore, if a man have faith, he must needs have hope. For without faith, there cannot be any hope. We have faith in Jesus Christ because of who he is, right? And what he overcame, which means eternal life is possible. He made eternal life possible for us. Because Christ exists, eternal life exists. Gratitude continues to build and strengthen faith and hope. Because the best study guide exists, again, that's our, our faith, right? Good grades exist, which is hope. And gratitude continues to build and strengthen faith and hope. So hopefully you're starting to kind of pull this all together. Uh, 43 and 44. And again, behold, I say unto you that he cannot have, yeah, that you, say unto you that he cannot have faith and hope, save he shall be meek and lowly of heart. If so, his faith and hope is vain, for none is acceptable before God, save the meek and lowly in heart. And if a man be meek and lowly in heart and confess by the power of the Holy Ghost that Jesus is the Christ, he must needs have charity. I looked up meekness in the guide to, scriptures, to the scriptures, and the first word defining meekness was God-fearing. The scriptures are filled with references <clears throat> of fearing God. The archaic, very, which means very old, the archaic definition of fear means to regard God with reverence and awe. In order to do this, one must have a deep and abiding gratitude for God. Meekness is the fruit of gratitude. Think about that. Meekness is the fruit of of gratitude and the prerequisite of charity. So meekness is God-fearing, submissive willingness to be taught and to be obedient to God. Lowliness in heart is the opposite of pride. Gratitude is being grateful for someone or something besides yourself. When we are grateful for something, we develop a love for that someone or something 
other than ourselves, right? Charity is the pure love of Christ, which is the pure love for others. We have faith in Christ because of his power to save us from our sins and to rest our souls in the mansions prepared for the righteous, which is eternal life. Because of our faith and hope, we gladly submit to his will. And then that's, you know, with gratitude in our hearts, that's in parentheses there, and are willing to obey his commandments and to be taught how to be like him, to qualify ourselves through his grace to live the life he lives, even eternal life. So I, I trust that the study guide, again, faith in and gratitude for that study guide, right? Because it contains sufficient knowledge to secure a good grade, which is the hope that we're after. Because my faith and hope, I am willing to submit myself to sufficient study, and this is the faith, the cause to action, right? And I'm willing to be taught the knowledge it contains. And so we have to be, that's the meekness part, right? We're willing to submit and, and to, to, to learn the knowledge that it contains, right? So verse 44 contains another powerful key. If a man be meek and lowly in heart, and confesses by the power of the Holy Ghost that Jesus is the Christ. Oh, oh sorry, that's, um, yeah, it, it, let's see here. Oh, yeah, that, that, that's, that's verse, verse 44, sorry. Moroni 8.26 is the next, next verse I want to uh, focus on. And this unlocks another key. And the remission of sins bringeth meekness and lowliness of heart. And because of meekness and lowliness of heart cometh the visitation of the Holy Ghost, which comforter filleth with hope and perfect love, which love endureth by diligence unto prayer until the end shall come when all saints shall dwell with God. That is such an awesome scripture. Dissect that internalize that scripture so how does the remission of sins bring meekness very simply because when one receives the remission of their sins his or hers whole heart and soul is filled with gratitude and love for him who is able and who has power given to him by his father to forgive sins even our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Thus gratitude springs forth, springs forth within him, giving birth to and greatly enhancing his sense of awe and reverence toward God, which begats meekness and lowliness of heart. And because of meekness and lowliness of heart cometh the visitation of the Holy Ghost, which comforter filleth with hope and perfect love. So the climax of this whole topic is this. Faith, hope, meekness, which remember is the fruit of gratitude, and charity can only grow or diminish as fast or as slow as each component, right? As each of, the, each of those, those um, either grow or diminish. Individually and collectively, they are proportionally linked, right? One for all and all for one. For if one grows dark, they all grow dark. 
On the other hand, if one grows lighter or light, they all grow lighter in direct proportion to the growth of the one. And this is how men rise or fall. To bring this talk to a full circle, I am convinced that the Lord prompted Moroni to put verse 3 in the 10th chapter of Moroni before verse 4 or 5, which is the Moroni challenge, for a very specific purpose, to prepare the reader for their journey of faith in Christ and their hope of receiving all the promised blessings, even eternal life. Through this, or this, through their remembering and pondering, which fills their soul with gratitude, which begats meekness and lowliness of heart, which opens the door to the visitation of the Holy Ghost, bearing witness of the truthfulness of him and his power to save us. All of these forces working together, individually and collectively, thus developing our true discipleship in Christ. So I don't know about you, but I'm just blown away at how embedded gratitude is with discipleship. It truly is the catalyst of discipleship. I want you all to know how much the gospel means. So that's my testimony. So uh, that's the first talk. And the next one is called Hope in Christ. And just, I really wanted to start off with that talk of gratitude because it really builds an amazing foundation for this, this next, uh, next talk called Hope in Christ. As I thought about hope in Christ, I thought of many different, oh, and by the way, this was written back in 2007, I believe, okay? As I thought about hope in Christ, I thought of many different ways that hope plays a role in our spiritual lives. So I'll express some of my thoughts and findings on hope, but there are many other aspects of hope in Christ. Starting off with Ether 12, verse 4. Wherefore, whoso believeth in God might with surety hope for a better world, yea, even a place at the right hand of God, which hope cometh of faith, maketh an anchor to the souls of men, which would make them sure and steadfast, always abounding in good works, being led to glorify God. I love that verse. It's so powerful. I feel this scripture in and of itself explains hope in Christ in its truest form. There is so much in this scripture, and so I would like to further analyze this scripture. First, belief in God brings a hope of a better world. I believe that all men have a desire within him to return to that being that gave him life. Satan is trying his hardest to prevent the human um, human family from being acquainted with our Father in heaven. Joseph Smith said, What is the object of our coming into existence, then dying and falling away to be here no more? Th this is a subject we ought to study more than any other, which we ought to study day and night. If we have any claim on our Heavenly Father for anything it, it is for knowledge on this important subject. Continuing, we have a, uh, that, that's a Joseph Smith 
and that was from Words of Joseph Smith, the contemporary accounts of the Nauvoo Discourses on, on the Prophet Joseph. We have a right to know for ourselves that God exists and that he is our Father. Once we know him and are more acquainted with him, then we have a right to know why we are here and where we're going after this life. As our relationship with Father, our Father in heaven and his only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, grows, then our hope for a better life grows greater and greater. Second hope, second is hope cometh of faith. David R. Bettner teaches us in his talk, Seeking by Faith. Faith is, in Christ is inextricably tied to and results in hope in Christ for our redemption and exaltation. As assurance and hope make it possible for us to walk to the edge of the light and take a few steps into the darkness, expecting and trusting the light to move and illuminate the way. The combination of assurance and hope initiates action in the present. Faith as the evidence of things not seen, looks to the past and confirms our trust in God and our confidence in the truthfulness of things not seen. We stepped into the darkness with assurance and hope, and we received evidence and confirmation as the light in fact moved and provided the illumination we needed. The witness we obtained after the trial of our faith is evidence that enlarges and strengthens our assurance. Assurance and sorry, assurance, action, and evidence influence each other in an ongoing process. This helix is like a coil, and it spirals upward. It as it expires upward, it expands and grows wider. These three elements of faith, assurance, action, and evidence are not separate and discrete. Rather, they are interrelated and continuous and cycle upward. And the faith that fuels this ongoing process develops and evolves and changes as we again turn and face toward our un an uncertain future. Assurance leads to action and produces evidence which further increases assurance. Our confidence waxes stronger line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little and there a little. Close quote. I love how Bednar explains hope and faith tied to action and evidence. Moroni continues to instruct us on hope and faith in Ether 12, 6. And now I'm Moroni would speak somewhat concerning these things. I would show unto the world that faith is things which are hoped for and not seen. Wherefore, dispute not, because ye see not. For ye receive no witness until after the trial of your faith. How, just to take a moment away from the talk here, think about that. I love that, right? Dispute not, because ye see not. Right? For we receive no witness until after the trial of our faith. Really ponder that. That needs to be something that we ingrain into our heart. Sorry, continuing. This hope and faith requires action on our part. 
I remember when I was in eighth grade and I wanted to make the ninth grade basketball team. And so that summer I would go to YMCA practically from open to close um, every day in practice. I and mean, I, I remember the, those, those days. It was crazy. Um, I knew that just hoping would not get me on the team. But my hope of making the team caused me to take actions that would allow me to, the opportunity to actually make the team. And I did. I made the team. But I did. I, I worked my tail end off <laughs> in, the, in the process. Uh, hope and faith work the same way. We must be willing to take action and progress. And then our hope and faith will be sufficient to be tried uh sufficient to be tried of the Lord. And if we endure it well, we will gain a witness even like unto Nephi. And 2 Nephi 1, 15 says this, But behold, the Lord hath redeemed my soul from hell. I have beheld his glory, and am encircled about eternally in the arms of his love. Third, hope maketh an anchor to our souls which would make them sure and steadfast, always abounding in good works, being led to glorify God. I feel that this is the crowning effect of great hope. I love the, the use of the word anchor. Dictionary.com um, defines it as, quote, any of various devices dropped by a chain, cable, or rope to the bottom of a body of water for preventing or restricting the motion of a vessel or other floating object, typically um, having broad hook-like arms that bury themselves in the bottom to provide a firm hold. Close quote. Our hope can literally become an anchor that prevents us from moving one way or another. <clears throat> I love this next part here. Joseph Smith tells us about this hope that acts as an anchor to the soul, sure and steadfast. Now for the secret and grand key. Though they may hear the voice of God and know that Jesus was the Son of God, this would be no evidence that their election and calling was made sure, that they had part with Christ and were joint heirs with him. They then would want that more sure word of prophecy that they were sealed in the heavens and had the promise of eternal life in the kingdom of God. Then having this promise sealed upon them, it was an anchor to the soul, sure and steadfast. Though the thunders might roll, <clears throat> the lightnings flash and the earthquakes bellow and war gather thick around them, Yet this hope and knowledge would support the soul in every hour of trial, trouble, and tribulation. Then knowledge through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is the grand key that unlocks the glories and mysteries of the kingdom of God. And a little side note there, that knowledge only comes through revelation, right? When God and Jesus Christ is revealed to us and confirms to us our place in eternal life and this in his kingdom above. All right, going back to the talk here. Robert D. Hills in conference uh, October 2000 talks about true conversion, which leads to such faith as has been mentioned. 
quote, The scriptures confirm that the truly converted do more than just forsake the enticements of the world. They love God and their fellow men. Their minds and hearts are centered on the Savior's atoning sacrifice. From the moment of their respective conversions, Enos, Alma, the younger, Paul, and others turned wholeheartedly to the task of bringing themselves and their fellow men to God. Quick pause there. Wouldn't that be powerful? That's what we want, right? That's the, that should be the desire of our hearts, is to bring souls unto Christ. Sorry, go, go back to the quote here. Worldly power and possessions lost their former significance. The sons of Mosiah refused an earthly kingdom, right, to, to be king, and risked their lives for the sake of others. Their faithful sons were driven, these faithful sons were driven by the hope that they might be able to help save even one soul, thus winning for themselves and their brethren a place in God's eternal kingdom. Close quote. So I just I love I love the sons of Mosiah. I mean they turned down becoming king. I mean, think about that. To go and to be persecuted in their service in bringing souls to Christ. <clears throat> Joseph Smith said, Never cease striving till you have seen God face to face. Strengthen your faith, cast off your doubts, your sins, and all your unbelief. And nothing can prevent you from coming to God. Close quote. That has got to be one of my favorite, favorite quotes. I'm going to read it again. Never cease striving till you have seen God face to face. Strengthen your faith. Cast off your doubts. That's the first thing. Doubts is first before sins even doubts right then so cast off your doubts your sins and all your unbelief right if if doubts wasn't enough he has to come again and say all your unbelief <clears throat> and nothing can prevent you from coming um can prevent you from from coming to god so just so powerful if this is not enough, Spencer W. Kimball said, quote, Why will only a few reach exaltation in the celestial kingdom? Not because it was not available to them. <clears throat> not because they did not know of its availability. Not because the testimony was not given to them. But because they would not put forth the effort to pattern their lives and make them like the Savior's life and establish them so well that there would be no deviation until the end. There are many members of the church who are lax and careless and who continually procrastinate. They live the gospel casually, but not devoutly. They have complied with some requirements, but, not, but are not valiant. They do no major crime, but merely fail to do the things required. Things like, and this is not, a, not an inclusive list, by the way, but things like paying tithing, living the word of wisdom, having family prayers, fasting, attending meetings, serving. 
The Lord will not translate one's good hopes and desires and intentions into works. Each of us must do that for himself. Only the valiant will be exalted and receive the highest degree of glory. Hence, many are called, but few are chosen. Close quote. We must do better. We must draw closer to our Savior, even Jesus Christ, and continue in the faith until we have obtained the faith and hope sufficient unto salvation. I testify that we can follow these teachings, and if we do, the blessings and power of heaven will rest upon you, and you will have greater hope in Christ than ever before. And I leave these things with you in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Hopefully you were able to enjoy those, those two talks as much as I did and reading them back and reading them again. I just was, I loved it. It was awesome for me. And so I wanted just to share that, those two talks with you guys here today. But just remember how important gratitude is when, when we're talking about our hope in Christ, right? It's so important. And then having that, that sure and, and firm foundation, again, let us not stop striving until we have seen God face to face and receive that, that promise of eternal life for ourselves, right? Until we obtain that, we can obtain that in this life if we strive for it. So it's been it's been awesome spending this time with you here today. Definitely uh, be sure to to like and share and bring your friends and family. We'd love to have you all at spiritualcrusade.com. Until next time, have a good rest of your day and thanks so much. Bye.